Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. On this podcast, we journey together in learning how to feel healthy, look good, and plan lives we actually like in the midst of all the everyday chaos. I'm so glad you're here. And today I have a really fun interview with author Angela Carell. Now, one of the things I really love about Angela is that she splits her time between Kentucky and Italy, Tuscany to be specific. And she and her husband actually bought a home there and they completely renovated it. And it was so amazing to hear not only about that process and about the culture and about living in Italy, but also she really used that time when she was moving over there to deal with a lot of grief and loss from her family. And she goes into all that in the book. And we had such a really great discussion in this episode about dealing with grief and how it looks different for everyone. And how it looks in our culture. And so I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear this episode because it's got everything from sort of the fun and the frivolous to the really deep. But before we get there, I also want to mention that we're doing a lot of fun things over in Patreon. If you haven't tried out Patreon yet, we would love to have you come and join us. I do three lives a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where we talk about all kinds of different things. We talk about planning. We talk about wellness supplements. We do challenges for getting your life in line and being able to be on top of things and feel like you aren't just coming apart at the seams. We do all kinds of things to help us to live well anyway and do it together in a community. And so if that sounds like it might be fun to you, then we would love to have you come over and join us at patreon.com slash live well together. It's a really good time. We have a lot of fun and we would love for you to be a part of it. So again, that's patreon.com slash live well together. But without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Angela Carell. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited to have you because I have always wanted to do more traveling than I have been able to do in my life. And I still aspire to someday. But because of that, I love books of people who like go live in other places, even part time or like settle into a place. I'm obsessed with expat kind of books. And so when I heard that this one, they like sent me the pitch for your book. I was like, yes, I would love to talk to her because I most of the time I'm just reading the book. I don't get to actually talk to the person who has gone and done it. So I am so excited to dive into this with you today. But would you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience? Yes, I'm Angela Carell, and I'm the author of Restored in Tuscany, Um, and then I've also written some fiction books as well, and I'm also co-founder of the Wilderness Road Hospitality Group, which includes a spa, a a soap store, soap making store, um, an inn, two restaurants, and lots of other craziness, but anyway, so a little bit going on. Kentucky, Stanford, Yes, Stanford, Kentucky. Yes, Central Kentucky, kind of in the southern part of the bluegrass region. Okay. Yeah. You you have so much that was, I mean, you were very entrenched in your life in Kentucky to go through that journey with you of deciding and kind of by happenstance, you end up in this little village in Italy for the purpose of writing one of your other books. So around, exactly. remind me again around what year that was. Well, that would have been the first time we actually entered that village was 2014. Okay. And it was a year after our son-in-law had passed away. And that's yeah. when I was writing the second book. 
Yeah. That was the very first time we saw it, but the house came a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. After you'd already fallen in love with that town, but you probably wouldn't have ever even found that house if you guys hadn't just kind of ended up there. Right. No, I mean, it was just one of those things that we were, we were kind of, um, Googling an apartment and I just knew I wanted a small Tuscan village and I really just longed at that time. I just wanted to stay in one place. And, you know, there's, there are, there's, there are times when you want to do the crazy trip, pedal to the metal, one end of a country to another, or, you know, you want to see everything. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And that's normal. And we all want to do that the first, you know, time or two, but we had been to Italy a few times and, I just was longing for, because we were grieving and because I was kind of just exhausted with all the business stuff kind of pulling at me in in probably areas way outside my giftedness, I just was longing for a place where I could unpack the suitcase, not have to think about traveling on to the next place, have the mornings to write, and then the afternoons just explore and, and let my soul be refilled. And so we just literally Googled, I don't know, it was maybe four or six weeks before we left. And I thought there's not going to be anything available. And this little apartment kept popping up in this tiny village. And I thought, this is really interesting. And the funny thing about that was finally my husband said, yeah, let's book it. That sounds great. He liked it. So I tried. I booked online. Well, the rental agency called me the next day and they said, we just want to make sure you're aware that this is totally off the tourist path. It's really quiet. And basically they were saying it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. And I said, well, it's exactly the cup of tea I want to drink from, from these two weeks. And so it is perfect for me. And they were like, oh, okay, good. Because (laughs) it's quiet. But yeah, that's kind of how we found it. So it was really, I mean, it, it was random. And yet I kind of say sometimes in the book it is random. Yeah, it was providential at the same time. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a thousand different directions that I want to go in this conversation. But something that you just hit on a second ago was, you know, being in places that are not within your gifting. And that is a theme, I think, throughout the book where you're talking about pruning things away and and letting even good things go so that you can have better things. And I loved that perspective because obviously, yeah, you're somebody who has your plate very full. It reminds me of myself in a lot of ways, like always going, always having things to do. But Mm -hmm. how much more filled you even just feel as a person when you can do your part of the gift. Like you were so great at like setting things up, but then you had to be able to let them go to to people who then that's their gift to keep them going or to deal with those details or whatever so that you could move on to setting up the next thing. And would you just talk a little bit about that pruning process for you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think, you know, there's, in my mind, there's sort of two tracks that sort of happen in your younger, you know, working years. And one is there's part of me, maybe you as well. Some of us love the challenge of trying something new, of learning something new. And you don't know, you're like, well, maybe this is my thing. Maybe this is going to be some unexpected um, gifting that I have (laughs) that I'm not aware of. 
I'm just going to magically, you know, be an accountant overnight. I'm going to understand financial reports really (laughs) well. That did not happen for me, but um, some people, maybe it does. But um, I think, so there's part of it that is maybe good and natural to try to go down those roads of trying something because you never know if something Mm -hmm. might really hit and you just love it. Um, And then I think the other side of that is, um, kind of finding that you also, I don't know how to say, it's not so much physical energy as it is um, emotional space, maybe. it. I think it depends on where you are. Maybe you have a bit more of that during those years. I don't know. Um, but at some point, you know, maybe in your mid to late 40s, you just kind of go, you know, I just can't power through anymore. Mm. I don't want to power through anymore. Yeah. And maybe that's it more than anything. It's not that you can't, you just really don't want to. And you realize how much something is taking out of you rather than giving back to you. And so I think that for me, you know, during that space of, and then, you know, frankly, the reality is sometimes we have to do things that, we're not naturally gifted at. And yeah. when you're starting a small business, you have to be that you have to be the technology person. You have to be the HR person. You have to be the marketing person. You have to be the accountant. I mean, you have to be so many things when yeah. you're starting a business and that's kind of normal on the front end. Um, but, and, and that's not all bad, but I do think there's a beauty in getting to the place where You've done it for a while and you just realize it isn't working anymore for you. And those things are just sapping your energy and it's time to do some pruning. Yeah, I I love that. I think it goes hand in hand to a couple of recent episodes we've actually had on the podcast. And one of them, this gal, she has you go through this whole process of kind of figuring out what you want out of life when you hit those sort of roadblocks and, and what you are gifted in. And she has these questions that she has you ask other people who are trusted people. And one of them is like, what, what brings you life? What like enlivens you? And then what drains you? And that was so interesting for me to ask my friends, because sometimes I don't think we even have the best grasp ourselves, but to ask them and have them be like, I know these things that you can do. But they're they're not your wheelhouse. They're not like your sweet spot. And they do drain you. And I think that it's important to know that. Like once you're able, like you're saying, in the beginning days, you kind of just have to bootleg it all. But yes. if you can get to that point where you can start farming some of it out, man, what a difference it just even makes to your mental health. Oh, my goodness. It's so true. So true. And I think back about, you know, when I was maybe in my 20s, early 20s, I wanted so much to be that girl, you know, the long hair, the no makeup, the barefoot, you know, camper girl, you know, loves the outdoors. And I do love the outdoors, but, you know, just, I don't know, I just had this vision of who I thought I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. extroverted and Finally, I don't know, somewhere in my probably late 20s, I'm a a slow learner, I suppose, but I guess we're all learning all the way. Late 20s, even early 30s, I just realized I, first of all, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. And I am not, I really, I'm not high maintenance, but I'm not low maintenance either. I really like air conditioning and showers (laughs) and a soft bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I just kind of felt it, and it was so freeing to let that Yes. go and go, oh, I just love those girls that can do Yeah. that. That's so great. More power to you, but I'm just not that girl. Yeah. And it's okay. When you can embrace who you are and just be totally okay with that. It's so funny. Yes. I listened to another podcast. I don't know if you know of Sophie Hudson and Melanie Shankle. Uh, they're also I think I've heard authors. that. But Melanie last year went to Wyoming and they had like a, they rented out this place that was like a, a glamping tent place. But it's still she was like, we had to get the wood and it was still cold at night. And like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like I came to the fact that this is not what I'm interested in. And that is OK. And it's like, yes, we can. We, we don't have, we can let those people who are good at that Yeah. and enjoy that, they can enjoy that. We don't have Absolutely. to. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> no, it Yeah. is, it is very freeing when you get to that place. Yeah. Ladies, support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane, which is perfect timing because for a while now, I have been trying to sort of develop a personal uniform, just those staple pieces that I know and I love and I feel like are really classic and I can just kind of wear on rotation without having to think much about them, but make me feel like I'm really in my style and I feel pulled together. And that is what Jenny Kane offers to me. I have a couple of Jenny Kane sweaters that have kind of revolutionized my wardrobe. I wear them without fail every week, almost year round, because I even throw them on in the spring and the summer over dresses and with shorts because I'm always cold. And I just love her pieces. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed just easier than ever before. You can think minimalist and effortless, but also totally refined. They have everything from luxurious cashmere sweaters, as I said, I have a couple of those. I have their cashmere fisherman sweater that I, I can't, I don't want to take off. I just, I love it so much. You guys see it on Instagram all the time. I have their everyday sweater. I also adore it. Just so much good stuff. But they even have iconic accessories so you can elevate those everyday basics. And they also even have home essentials now too. Their pieces are so high quality and long lasting. And now you can fill your home and your wardrobe with Jenny Kane and just be good to go. So find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. My listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code livewell15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com promo code livewell15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Well, and speaking of projects, so I mean, obviously, a huge part of this book is you finding this house that was really a stable. Is that A stable. an accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. To begin with, like in the 1500s or something Yes. crazy like that. And you are able to restore this home, which I have so many questions about. I mean, doing it in another language. I mean, I know you talk about that in a lot in the book, but even just this idea, you said you wanted to preserve like it feeling Tuscan, but also Yes. making it comfortable and bringing it up into, you know, the Yes. modern era. Like what a task that is. Yes. Yes. Well, and I'm fortunate that we have done a lot of renovations in our little town here in Kentucky. So we've done a lot of um, guest houses and also businesses for hospitality. So I I was somewhat familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with, you know, plans and design and how to do some of that. So I wasn't going into it totally 
you know, blind, but, um, you know, I know Kentucky, like I know how to work with wood and I know how to work with, you know, bricks and the things that the materials that we have here. And generally I know that style that I'm going for, well, this is a completely other project. And so there was such a learning curve. Fortunately, we had some really great Italian folks helping on, on their end, but so many times I just felt out of my element because even a little thing like this. So we would, we would, you would walk into what we would call the, um, we would call it the, the first floor. Mm-hmm. And then you would walk upstairs yeah. and that would be the second floor. Well, they call the second floor, the first floor. Yeah. And the first floor is the ground floor. And so just, I mean, I can't even tell you how many confusing conversations I had over simple things like that yeah. just alone. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. Okay. We've got to back up here and let my brain adjust to what you're saying. And yeah, but, um, it was, it was a very humbling experience because I think you just realize that you are a guest in the land and there, for me, there was a sense that I wanted to steward well that mm-hmm that place, that house, because, you know, we'll hopefully hold it for a while and be able to steward it for a while. But at the end of the day, it belongs to Italy, it belongs to Tuscany, and it belongs to the people there, even though maybe our names are on the deed. And so I did really want it to be, I wanted an Italian to walk into the house, a Tuscan in particular, and feel very comfortable with what we had done. Now they did their mouths. We had like a little open house for the village when we finished. And the common, the common thing that everybody said was, Oh, so many bathrooms. bathrooms." (laughs) Because, you know, in Italy, they just don't have a bathroom for every bedroom. I mean, that's just not a thing. And of course, again, it makes you think how spoiled we Americans can be at times. But, and and I, I mean, in our farmhouse, we have two bedrooms. I have a shared bath, but it, it just made me think about how it must look to them. And so that part was a little different. And then I did end up getting um, a dryer because yeah. I just thought, you know, in the winter, I just, yeah. just want to dry your clothes. <laughs> well, and that inside. was so interesting about the book that you had like a certain amount of energy that was allowed for the house and you were trying to flip on all the things and then it busted (laughs) and you didn't know there was a certain amount. And then, yeah, this whole idea of like, no, no, we don't do dryers. Like, yes, Yes. let let me bring you to the new world with bathrooms (laughs) and dryers. (laughs) Exactly. And so those were actually, those were two concessions that I made that um, were, were more, you know, what I would say Americanized, but I did try to, we did try to incorporate a lot of the Tuscan design elements into the house and really enhance the natural features of the stable. And even like with the light fixtures, we, I did, it was a horse stable. So we went to a local ironsmith and, and had them make a, or they, they actually had this kind of hanging and I had, I had them make one like it, but they had it fix this light fixture with horseshoes. And so it was this sort of metal, you know, metal forged, iron forged light fixtures that kind of had that nice big heavy material feeling against all the brick and the stone. And then it was in the shape of horseshoes, which I felt like really fit the house and kind of 
paid homage to the history of it. Yeah. Well, and there was so much really like you guys stripping away, right? Because you brought it oh. back down to the stone that had been covered yes. in plaster. And yes. And so really, it seems like what you did really brought it much more to the original, even though you're bringing it up mm-hmm. into modern day than than what it had been. Yes. Exactly. Because there, you know, there are multiple renovations in a country that's as old as Italy. Yeah. Um, you had this sort of 15th century wall underneath, but then over that, it, there was like an 1892 renovation that yeah. covered up a lot of those beautiful features. Yeah. And, and they're sitting there going, they just, the idea of the old is, is just different in a country that goes back to the Etruscans. And, yeah. and so it, it, you know, for us, we're like, oh my goodness, that's like 300 years old. That's amazing. They're like, oh, that's new. Yeah. That's well, that, old. <laughs> that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is because it's so different to be in a place that has yes. that much history, that much tradition that really reflects all the different parts of the culture. Like us in America, I would say I'm on the West Coast, so it's even worse mm-hmm. over here. <laughs> like, it's been over like a hundred years, you know, but yeah. it's a little bit better as you get east. But there's still there's not that like entrenchment of all the culture and tradition. And we're Americans, so we break from tradition and we let go yes. of all of that. And you know, yes. so to go to this country that is so steeped in that, I can't imagine the cultural differences that you find, but even on a deeper level, because you've chosen to live there part of the time, become mm-hmm. a part of the community. So what is that like? I'm always so curious about yes. like what those stark cultural differences are that you've noticed. Oh my goodness, so many. In fact, this next book I'm working on, I'm trying to really highlight a lot of those. But, you know, I think the rhythm of the life there is fascinating to me because they take seriously this afternoon rest idea. Yeah. This, you know, from basically lunch, which in Italy or, or in our part of the area in particular is around 1230 to one. And it can go to three or four, you know, depending wow. on, you know, how long they break, break it down. And I love it because I mean, and at first I kind of the way I function here is I'll I'll do kind of my morning stuff and then I'll go run my errands. I'll go have lunch and then run errands. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I do things. Well, that's not even possible there because everything's shut down in the, yeah. this village area. And so just having to adjust to their rhythms and not trying to bring my own yeah. thing into that, that was a different thing. And, and, and then how much value that's brought to the way I look at life now with trying to, you know, I can't shut everything down from one till three um, like they might do in Italy. But at the same time, it does kind of influence the rhythm of my day a bit and how how I do linger a bit longer, even in conversations on the street. Or um, I, what, what's interesting to me is in Italy or in Tuscany, I'll, I'll say in particular this village that we've grown to know and love, there is... Um, a lot of it's a small medieval walled village. So you have to walk in and out one gate to go to your yeah. car. So we don't park near the house. We park outside the village. Interesting. It is. And so we have to pass people going, coming and going to the car, even, or if we're out to the, going to the market, you're passing people all the time, going to the bar. 
which is obviously if you're not familiar with Italy is not just a bar bar, but it's coffee, cappuccino, all mm. that. And so if you're, you're kind of coming back and forth and what's funny is how long it takes me. I think, Oh, I'm just going to run up to the market and grab something. Well, I, it can be 45 minutes later yeah. and it's, it's maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away, <laughs> but I've run into like five people that want to chat yeah. and to stop and talk. And I love that. And, yeah. and that is something that I've really grown to love about the village is how long it does take to do anything. So you just build that into your head. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think, oh, I'm going to run here and do this or run home, do that or run to the supermarket and grab something. I just, and you can do that in America, but yeah. really it, it's just a different world there. So, so the, the rhythm of how that flows is just much more laid back. And I think especially in the village life and there's also, um, there's some funny little superstitions that they have oh. that are, um, I feel like are probably holdovers from a long time ago. But um, one thing I've learned to do, and I actually recoil now just because I've, they've trained me so well, but <laughs> they don't ever cross. Like if you're shaking hands, like say two couples meet on the street and you're each shaking hands and meeting each other. You would never reach across and cross arms. Oh. That's considered bad luck. Oh, interesting. And so it's like now I find myself almost pulling back, you know, out of, I mean, I'm not superstitious, but I just yeah. feel like it's almost this cultural, yeah. cultural for me. And the other one is the same, like with clinking glasses, you would never cross someone else's glass oh. to clink. You have to kind of pull back and wait till everybody goes their turn. So I don't know, just a few of those little funny things that you start absorbing yourself, which is yeah. both funny and also um, kind of inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love hearing those little things that you wouldn't know necessarily if you didn't like stay there and really interact with the people. Like you were saying, it's a totally different sense of community because yes. you live on a farm in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You're, you're not like running into people. Like it's, it's just a totally different sense of being with people, doing life with people. That's got yes. to be so inspirational and I would imagine maybe a little bit jarring to come back home from. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it does take, I mean, I feel like I've done it enough now. I'm getting better at sort of adjusting. But I think early on, it was a little bit of a challenge because I thought, okay, why is everybody rushing off after the one hour lunch? You know, why yeah. are we not, why is, you know, everything happening so fast? Why are we running here and running there? And why? you know, why is, is there not this sort of time when people are just sort of letting down and kind of relaxing and, you know, you do kind of get used to that, which is yeah probably good. But now, I, and it's, it's hard too, because you come home and you go, okay, well, I'm going to just change this. I'm going to incorporate this new thing into my life. And it's really difficult when you live in America because yeah. everybody else around you is it's like that big stream of water that's flowing in a mm -hmm. direction and you're the poor little salmon that's trying to jump back up. Yeah. And we are so used to a fast pace and moving from one mm -hmm. thing to the next. And, and I would say it's not a lot of times necessarily about connecting with other people. It's a very mm -hmm. isolating culture and doing your own thing and, and moving from thing to thing. So I would imagine that that 
is a huge part of it. I think that that is also been exacerbated by the pandemic in a lot of ways, Mm. which Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump ahead. There's so many more things I want to talk about in the book, but I'm going to jump ahead because the epilogue was not nearly long enough for me. I was uh, like, I need the epilogue to the epilogue because you kind of like leave off it like, yeah, and then a pandemic hit and we didn't get to go back to our house. So what what has happened post-pandemic? Like when did yes. you get to get back to the house and what yes. what has that been like? Well, that that was such a, yeah, it was hard to know where to stop that because yeah. I really could just kind of go on and on, but, but then that becomes book two. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got to go back and it, it, the pandemic was so confusing with travel, you know, because people just didn't know what was okay. And there were horror stories about people getting to the airport to go to their home in Italy and being turned back. And, and so finally, you know, I had done all kinds of research and it was a little vague on, could you go, if you owned a second home, could you go, if you owned a business, which we actually had the second home and we're in the process of starting a business there to do historic renovations. Oh, And so, so we kind of, I just pulled, I remember pulling all kinds of documents together. I had like a big folder of documents headed to the airport. And um, at the end of the day, it all came down to the Delta ticket agent who saw an email from the embassy that said, yes, you can go. You just have to isolate for two weeks. And, so we were good to go after that, but we did, we went and just out, you know, you had, there was a lot of honor system. We reported to the police. We reported to the health department when we got there, it's September of 2020. And, but Italy had been hit so hard yeah. and suffered so much. We were in a lot of older people are in our village. So we were very conscious about wanting to respect, mm-hmm. you know, what, they had suffered and not wanting to put anybody in any danger. And so anyway, we literally followed everything to a T. We stayed in our house for 14 days and the villagers were lovely. They dropped off groceries and they knew Mm -hmm. we were isolating. And so they dropped off all kinds of stuff to us. And, and we had neighbors, we had coffee over the wall. And and so really it was, it was kind of a nice time, honestly. And then we were able to spend a few weeks after that, but it, it was so different than what I thought because we had that whole, um, the house was finished, finished in March yeah. of 19. And then we went back in Mar- in February of 20 and then uh, stayed until March the 9th and no March the 8th and left. And then two days later, they locked down the country. So we, Dang. we kind of got out just in time, but that whole year I had so many people booked to use the house. I mean, we were just giving it to our friends and family. And I was so excited to introduce people to it. So thrilled. It was like this, finally the waiting is over after, you know, three years now of, or two years at least of having the house and having to renovate it. And then it's just like, it's snatched from you. Yeah. And so you sit there and you go, okay, maybe I wanted it too much. Yeah. You no, know, you just kind of ask those questions sometimes. You go, okay, maybe I, you know, it's just sometimes we want something too much. And maybe the purpose then is, you know, being satisfied with what, what it is. 
And so it was nice to finally get to go in September of 20. And then um, 21, we were still a bit under that travel mm -hmm. issue. So I, we weren't back to normal. I, we traveled uh, twice in 21 and actually hosted a board meeting of my husband's um, businesses oh, wow. kind of right was it the Delta variant was kicking up. So that yeah. was challenging. But anyway, we did get to go back and now we're kind of back to full, you know, people are using it and it's just lovely to see people experience what we experience. Yeah. And just be able to enjoy the space. That's so good. How how often are you able to go back now yourselves? Well, we go, we try to go and I usually spend a little bit longer than my husband, but um, I think the most I've ever spent there is four months and divided into about um, two to three trips okay. and a year. And then this, most years for me, it's about three and a half months a year. Okay. And then my husband's maybe at three, two and a half to three months, depending on his schedule. So, okay. And yeah, that's so broken up, like I, you said, between a few different trip, yes, trips throughout usually the Usually spring and fall, usually like six weeks in the spring, maybe six weeks in the fall. And then oftentimes another trip sometime in the winter up to March, usually. Nice. nice. Yeah. That's and it's our incredible. current rhythm. He knows it could change, yeah. but yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. It's well, a gift I, and there are challenges too with being in two places. It's, yeah. You know, you have two communities, two sets of relationships to track and so there are new challenges with that but it's just a huge gift yeah I can I can imagine I mean even back from when you were doing the renovation and just trying to like manage all of that from across the ocean but yeah then we when you get into that rhythm of trying to like okay how do we do this split life basically mm -hmm. yes yeah which yes it is Ladies, February is the month of love, and there's nothing I love more than a comfortable bra. And today's sponsor, Honey Love, has revolutionized the bra game. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It's so next level comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. I had been wanting to ditch the underwire for quite a while, and I had just felt like, you know, I've had four babies that I nursed, and it takes a lot of support and rearranging to get these babies where they're supposed to go. And it wasn't until Honey Love that I actually found something that I felt like could be supportive and still feel like I was getting all the benefits of an underwire bra without actually having to wear one. Plus, their crossover bra has really thought of everything. It even has some little mesh detailing that adds a touch of sexiness, which is just kind of nice to feel like, you know, you're wearing something you really like under your clothes. They even have a relaxed lounge bra called their V bra, and it offers the support of a traditional bra without the uncomfortable underwire, and it's designed to lift and separate with molded cups so you don't get that uniboob effect. And Honey Love is, of course, so much more than just bras. They have really comfortable shapewear that works with your shape and kind of just have something for whatever occasion that you are needing to feel and look your best. So treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash livewell. Use my exclusive link to get that 20% off, honeylove.com slash livewell. And after you purchase and they ask you where you heard about them, please support our show and tell them I sent you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. 
I want to talk about this because it's a big topic throughout the book. I mean, in some ways, I think maybe the loss of your mom has allowed you to be there more without that tie back. But there's so much loss throughout the book and and throughout your life, even preceding the book, I would say. Mm -hmm. And that I want to talk about grief for a second. You know, I lost my brother about four Mm. years ago and it was just his birthday this past Monday. And there were Mm. so many things that you said in the book that I thought were so poignant about grief, how you wish that we lived in that day and age where we could wear black for a year and like have something to signify, like we're not normal. We're not done with this, but Mm -hmm. there is kind of this sense and maybe more in American culture than others. I don't know, but that you, after about two weeks, like, okay, like you got to pick up and move on. Like you talk about your mom passing and still needing to put the dishes in the dishwasher like that Mm. that stuff doesn't stop like life doesn't stop Mm. when you feel like it should like it should mean as much to everyone else as it means you and you've experienced that so many times over and so do you want to I mean however you want to take that whether you want to talk about how Tuscany is a healing experience for you. I loved how you talked about beauty being healing and grief. Like Mm -hmm. just, yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) Yes. Well, I wish I weren't, I wish I weren't, um, I'm not going to say expert. There are a lot of people that have written books and done a lot more with grief than I have that I have experienced a lot. And so I can only speak from my experience, but I do, I do. I was just talking about this to my daughter yesterday because she lost her husband um, 10 years ago. She was 34 at the time. So she was a young widow with two small children. And we were talking about, you know, this idea of the days when there were whole, there were whole sections in department stores dedicated to morning clothes because it was part of the culture and you would go and you would get your black outfits. And so then there's a conscious decision every day to put on those morning clothes. Mm -hmm. And so you're even saying to yourself, I'm not right yet. (laughs) I'm not normal. I'm not, I'm still grieving. And so it it was this conscious thing that you're doing to put on those clothes. And what it said to other people is I am not right. So give me a little grace if you don't mind, please. And, and I think, I think that was also the culture that when you saw somebody didn't know what happened, but you knew they were grieving. And so you had maybe a little extra kindness, a little extra grace, a little extra space. And I do think that that is unfortunately one of those things that we've lost in how we deal with grief Mm -hmm. currently. And it really is after having gone through, I feel like two weeks is the is kind of the number where people will give you up to that point and then they need this, they need that, they need, you know, oh, I'm sorry about that, but do you have this? Can you give me this so-and-so by the way? Or, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's normal. It's life. So then we're left to figure out, okay, we still have to function in this world. that's moving on. So how do we do that self-care mm-hmm. and give ourselves the grace and the space to grieve? How do we give that to other people? And that's what we were talking about yesterday. My daughter and I said, so how do you, because everybody's different. Yeah. You know what one person needs, you know, some, for some people, they want to get busy and they want to move on. Mm-hmm. Other people just need a little bit of space and just need a little extra margin in their schedule. 
And so I think you really have to kind of dive in and figure that out for yourself and, and put boundaries up at, at some level of just saying, this is what I need. I and mean, not, I'm not saying you necessarily announce it to the world, but you just know what you're going to make a priority to mm-hmm. allow yourself to have that time yeah. so that one day then you can look at those grieving clothes and you don't put them on because you're yeah. thinking not that you're not going to miss that. Stop yeah. missing that person. You'll never stop missing your brother. I mean, yeah. if you live to be 95 years old, you're yeah. going to miss your brother and that's okay. Yeah. That yeah. means you loved him. Yeah. But at some point that active grieving mm-hmm. goes into more of a passive grieving. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when you stop wearing the morning clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that because because we have this culture that doesn't acknowledge grief as much, we don't have the morning clothes, it does make it harder to like figure out where that transition is from am I actively grieving or, or am I not? Mm-hmm. You know, it's been four years since he passed and I still feel like did I deal with it? Like I don't I don't yeah. know if I really like because yeah. there's so much and like you were saying, like everyone grieves differently and that, that was something like with my parents stepping in with them and realizing like they both needed completely different things in that aftermath. You know, my mom wanted to go into the planning mode and we've got to plan the funeral and what's going on and I have to get the pictures Mm -hmm. together and I got to, you know, and that was how she dealt with it where my dad just wanted to sit there and have people over and talk about my brother, you know, like, they were just, I finally just had to be like, I'm bringing mom to my house. (laughs) Like she needs to do the planning and dad needs to have the people and, you know, like, and to allow people to have that, like for that to be okay. Neither of them were wrong in how they were. It It was just how they needed to deal with it. Well, it's part of why I think so often, um, there are divorces after the loss of a child because people, men and women by nature are likely going to grieve differently. Mm -hmm. And then just by personality. And so then you have two people who've suffered a horrible loss and yet their expectations placed on the other person of how that grieving maybe should take place and, and what's not being given to the other person. So you see how it happens. It is, it's a complicated and everybody's different. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's like, it's one of those things that'll crop up and then kind of die down for a while and then something else will bring it up. Yes. And you said, you were just saying about how you go from act. I think that happens. I don't think there's a day where, okay, there is, I think there's a day where maybe you don't, you know, figuratively put the grieving clothes on where you are kind of moving past that just really raw, you know, Mm -hmm. just. I don't know. And it, it, it's different for different people, but then I do think you float in and out of that active to passive yeah. for a long, long time. And then, and then maybe it's just the active gets less as you yeah. go. Yeah. And it's just kind of a slow journey. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting as I was reading your book, you know, before I got to the epilogue and you talked about your mom passing and then wanting to go spend that time in her house to be able to to process through that. And one of my questions had been before I got to the epilogue, well, how did that go? And then I was like, oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> that didn't go the way that you want it to go. And it's that same sort of thing of you want you want our culture to allow you to have the time to methodically go through the things and think about them. But then, then real life happens and it's like, oh, no, the the real life deadlines don't allow you to like emotionally process the things that you really want to. Yes. Yes. And I was, I was actually, I mean, I, I hate to say looking forward to it, 
not yeah. looking forward, but yeah. after my mom died, I thought for me, that was going to be an important part of the grieving. Yeah. And then the deadline was there that had to be worked through. And then frankly, the hearing loss became, um, when yeah. that, when I lost the hearing in my left ear, honestly, that was a whole new grief that just, yeah. it just, it, it honestly took away the grieving for my mother and it took center stage for a while mm-hmm. because it was so present in my yeah. head. And, and I honestly delayed my grieving for my mother, I think, because that yeah. just kind of scooted everything out of the way. So, and, and frankly, that is how life goes. Like yeah. you said, it's just how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's those things that you, you have the best intentions for it to go one way or something, but mm-hmm. then, then real life happens. And that's just doesn't. Yeah. What you have to keep grappling with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to kind of circle back to what we talked about, about time and, you know, like everything takes a slower pace there and all that. But I really also appreciated how you allowed the time for the renovation. Like you you kind of talk about how you could have come in and just sort of like patched some things up and made it work because really that's why you bought this particular house in the first place is that you weren't going to have to do a major yes. renovation. And then it turns into like an overhaul and mm-hmm. the, the kind of the idea like, yeah, we could do this, but from your experience of doing all these other renovations, realizing like you're going to end up spending more money in the long run yeah. if you do the little things and like, but that you, you decided to step into really allowing that time to yes. be to the fullest of what it needed to be to get it done right. Yes. And that's right. Yeah. How did that feel like deciding to make that decision it was it delayed your ability to use the house and but but was it worth it yes it was very it was very much worth it but i'll i'll be honest there were some nights when we were starting to wrap our brain around that and it was a process because yeah. we really had one thing in our head and then we were hearing other things from you know the experts and and we and, and we we were trying to bargain a bit, so we thought, well, maybe a phase one and a phase yeah. two. Can we just live in the top part and then try to do? And of course, that was not going to be a good plan either. And finally, we just came back to what we have always known, and that is to do it right the first time because you'll save money, time, and really emotional energy down the road if you do that job right the first time. Yeah. And so I think when we finally, it was, it was sort of like one of those truths that we know, but we just did not. I mean, don't we all have those times where we know this thing is in the middle of the room and we know it's the right thing, but we just are dancing or circling it going, I don't know if I could do this or not. And so I think when we finally just really release that and realize that's what it had to be. And, and then I, I just decided to, I made a conscious decision that I was going to enjoy it. Yeah. Just going to have fun. We're going to enjoy it. And just, this is a special time, a special gift. I'm just going to enjoy the process. Yeah. Well, I loved the book. I thought it was heartfelt. I thought there were so many unexpectedly funny things about it where you even kind of like get an attitude with a stray cat and like, like different things. <laughs> and, like, oh. and you don't like, like, 
like capitalize on the comedy but there are definitely things that happen like with the stones in the wall falling out and like you know like different little things that it was it was just there was so much joy and humor mixed into the book it's a beautiful experience from start to finish I can't wait to read the next book that's all about the culture and the like all the stuff I'm just like itching for it like well when when does that come out I I (laughs) So I I just think that you did a beautiful job. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie. It was a, it was a joyful journey, and it's even more fun now to talk about it with uh, people like you. This is just a real treasure. Oh, I'm so so glad. So I want to ask you. We'll kind of move into these these wrap up questions, and yes. I always ask people what a typical day looks like for you. But I think let's specify because you live two different lives. So yeah, what does a typical day look like for you in Tuscany? Okay, that's a great question. Well, a typical day um, probably is getting up around maybe seven or something. So not terribly early. I I normally get up a lot earlier in Kentucky, but maybe around seven. And then I like to write for a couple of hours. And so that's so much fun for me. And then normally I will, the little, my little cat, that's not really my cat will come (laughs) around for some milk. So at some point I, I give her some milk and we have some breakfast and then we'll go for a nice big walk if it's a summer. Now, if it's, you know, if it's hot, you know, when you're avoiding the afternoon, we'll go, we love going for big walks around the village and there's so many trails and it can be anywhere from a 45 minute to two hour walk. So we love wow. to do that and then come back. And what's really kind of fun, what we have fallen into is then getting, getting, you know, going somewhere maybe for lunch out and just drive around the hill, the hill towns, and then have lunch out somewhere in one of the lovely little Asterias or Trattoria. And then we like that big lunch meal. And then we'll just kind of come back, have our little rest time, maybe go to the market, uh, visit with some friends, have an aperitivo, and then just something light bites for dinner and then watch the stars and go to bed. So that's a lovely day. Yeah, it certainly (laughs) is. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Yes. Okay. And what is just one little way that you live well anyway in the midst of when life does get chaotic? Like how do you take care of yourself? Yes. Well, I, um, one of the little things that I like to do are, um, I like fresh flowers. Mm. Um, I love to just, I mean, there's something just mood lifting about flowers. And of course this time of year, we don't have much here in Kentucky that's blooming or growing, but I'll go to the local grocery store and just buy some flowers. And I like to keep those in the house. Um, that's just a little thing that, and I like to light candles in the winter. To me, it just is like, oh, it's just a little bit of a thing that says, let's make this space special. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of like to do that. And then I really like journaling and, you know, I like to spend some time meditating and, and doing some spiritual um, you know, I like to do some reading, some devotional reading or something. So those are things that really fill me up in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I love that. And exercise, of course, I love to take a big walk. If I can do those things, then I feel like I can, the day is good. It's like, yeah. let's just go about whatever else needs to happen. But those are the little self-care things I really enjoy doing. Yeah. 
I love that from like the, the value of flowers and the light and all of that, like those, it doesn't have to feel frivolous. It can feel like something that's mm-hmm. really taking care of yourself. And, and like you talk mm-hmm. about too, in the book, like how beauty is like a healing thing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. All right. Well, I think you just answered one, but candles or essential oil diffuser? Oh, candles. Okay. Yeah, candles. <laughs> cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. Okay. City yeah. or country? Country. Paper or digital? Paper. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Which obviously probably isn't as much of an option in Italy. In a no, village, but... <laughs> yeah. um, mm, that's a tough one. I sure I have a fit in both worlds and I like both actually. Yeah. Okay. Depending on the shop. I think it depends yeah. on the shop. Yeah. I would agree with that. But okay. yeah, I do like, I love supporting local. So that if it's yeah. a local shop, 100% that. And then if it's not, then I'm probably a online shopper. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good differentiation. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to music or a podcast? Um, I listen to a book. Okay. Usually. And yeah, do you typically I'm... lean towards nonfiction or fiction? Uh, probably more fiction if okay. I'm making dinner. That's kind of where I go. Is And I like these little cozy mysteries that oh, are sort okay. of just fun little light, but they also kind of make you think. And they're set against historical backdrops so you learn something too. I like yeah. those. I love that. Okay. Chocolate, but milk, or the dark? The podcast would be my second. I do oh, like okay. podcast too. That's good. Um, milk. I know okay. I should like dark, but it's milk. Yeah. Everyone who says milk says that on the podcast. Like, I know I'm <laughs> supposed to like dark, but it's milk. That's funny. Sports or no sports? No sports. All right. Live broadcasting, like doing stories or reels, would you rather broadcast or watch? Mm, watch. Okay. What mm-hmm. is your favorite movie? Oh goodness. Um I'm going to I'm going to say a movie that I quote in the book and it's Out of Africa. Okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. That's a good choice. Okay, and final question, if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, like the natural spe- spectrum, would you be a 0 which is totally not crunchy or a 10 which is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair? <laughs> oh, I love the visual image that you have. <laughs> um, well, I'm actually I'm actually I would probably be more of a six-ish okay. or a seven, maybe even, but I mean, maybe a six because I'm, yeah, maybe a six, but I definitely love parts of that. All right. Well, I think that's a great answer. Right. It was so fun to have you on today. I cannot wait to read the next book and the next book oh, has color pictures. You. Isn't that what you said? Yes. Color pictures I can't wait. Time. So hold yeah. on. Here they yes. come. <laughs> yes. Because even just the cover is like, oh my goodness, yeah. it's gorgeous. The geraniums and like the whole thing. So I cannot yes. wait for the next book. You did a beautiful job. You'll have to come back. Thank you, Mackenzie. I would love to come back. That sounds great. Thank you. All right, ladies, that is it for this week's episode. As always, you can find the show notes for today's episode by going to mackenziecoppa.com slash podcast podcast 
or swiping up in whatever app you are listening to the show on, and you should be able to find all of the show notes there. We've got things like the links to Angela's book and the links to all of our sponsors. We so appreciate when you help support the show by supporting our sponsors and buying with our links. That makes a really big difference. It also makes a really big difference when you leave a rating and review in iTunes or on Spotify. It helps those platforms to know that people are listening to the show and that they like it so it can recommend the show to other people who also might be interested. So if you go over there and leave a quick little review, give us five stars. That would be amazing. And I so, so appreciate it. All right, ladies, thank you so much for listening another week. And until next week, go be bold and gracious.